0: Good afternoon, everybody. Don't you love that video? It's, uh, it's powerful. I, we've seen it now for four weeks, and uh, you have to almost jump like a cheer section. Thank you, Jesus, that you were pierced for my rebellion, crushed for my sin because he was beaten the punishment upon him was for our well-being I'm so thankful for those truths the promise uh, even that that video the way that it shows and depicts this relationship, that we have with Jesus. I, I want to welcome you again for being with us here this afternoon. You know, it's always great having people physically in a place, meeting together in a very virtual world. Uh, so again, thank you for being here. Uh, it's always a pleasure even to see new uh, new faces or those returning and saying hello. And if you're tuning in online this afternoon because you haven't been able to be in person, uh, thank you for being so faithful uh, joining in. Um, I also want to thank everyone for their faithful giving. God loves a cheerful giver, and so thank you for everything that you've been sowing. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, accomplishing much. So thank you. This afternoon, we're going to continue our series, "The Touch of God," and I'm excited because today is going to be a little bit different. We're going to have the message first, and then we're going to have a testimony that speaks and ties in directly with what we're talking about here this afternoon. And so we're looking at the touch. Of God. We looked at how the touch of God transforms. The touch of God ordains and calls us to follow Christ. It unifies us to work together on mission, and then the touch of God conquers all. Today we're looking at how the touch of God heals. You have to love during worship as we're singing those songs, those lyrics My God is the Waymaker. You have to love and appreciate that no matter what you're going through, even when you can't see it, even when you can't feel it, he's always at work. He's always at work. And so keep those words, keep those lyrics in mind as we look at today's passage of Scripture that I know will encourage you as it has encouraged me. So this afternoon, as we looked at Mark chapter 5, here's the big idea for this afternoon. When we're talking about the touch of God and that the touch of God heals, I want this to deposit in your spirit this afternoon that healing can happen when God's natural reaches into our world and manifests doing that which we cannot do for ourselves or cannot fully comprehend that is truly supernatural maybe you're here you've always wondered what really is the supernatural what defines supernatural well the the Webster's Dictionary is kind of the go-to of every speaker and preacher, okay? And Supernatural is defined as this. A manifestation or event attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature. A manifestation or event attributed to some force beyond... Scientific understanding or the laws of nature. And so this afternoon, I am thankful thankful that our God who transcends this world, the, the space of law and physics, is able then, therefore, who created, who put all these things and parameters into place, is able to transcend all things to conquer all and to bring about healing in our life. Amen? So here this afternoon, if there's something going on in your physical body, whether it's in your thought life or the whole nine yards, I want to encourage you to give that to the Lord this afternoon. That I believe, even as these words are being spoken, even as we look to scripture, that you can experience healing in your physical body. And maybe you're here this afternoon, and even by proxy, in believing that the people, the loved ones that are on your heart, that they too can be touched by the power of God. And so here we're going to look at an invitation, truly an invitation in Mark chapter 5. And to help set this up, there's two other verses of scripture I want to share. When Jesus was about his ministry on this earth, when he walked the face of this earth, we know that he was engaged in all these different kinds of interactions. He was ministering to all kinds of people. And there are two quick interactions that I'm going to read to you. It says in Matthew chapter 8, Verse 1, it says, When he was coming down from a mountain, a large crowd was following him. Right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed by the touch of the Lord. Matthew 9, 27, as Jesus went on, there were two blind men who followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men approached him, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I can do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, let it be done for you, according to your faith. There's a commonality here. The touch of the Lord can bring healing through the invitation of faith to believe that he's willing and able to make us clean, that he's willing and able to reach into our life, reach even into the miry clay and lift us up out of our affliction and touch our physical bodies. I'm a living testament of it. Many people here are living testament of how God works and even works in ways that even the scientific and the natural cannot explain. And that is something that we give praise to Jesus for this afternoon. And so, in Mark chapter 5, verse 21, we're going to look at a story right in the middle of quite an encounter that's happening. Jesus has been um, summoned, if you will, uh, by a group of people to come and minister to a man whose daughter is dying. And they say to Jesus, my little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. And so in verse 24 it says, so Jesus went with him and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. And so before we continue in this story, there's just a few pieces that I want to encourage you with that I found very encouraging in preparing for this message. In the Bible, in the Greek, when it speaks of the word saved, the word sissokin means this. To heal, conceived of delivering a person from affliction or threat and bringing them out safe and sound. Bringing them out safe and sound. That that word, and safe is actually interconnected with the word healed. So that through Jesus, we are saved and healed. Healed and saved. I found that really inspiring. Very encouraging that through Jesus, he brings us out safe and sound. Safe and sound. You look on the world stage, and whenever there's a world event or something happened, whether it's in B.C. and Langley with the floods and such, people can mark on social media, hey, I'm safe and sound. I'm okay. You're able to let your family members and friends know, I- I've made it through this life event. I'm safe and sound. And in many regards, you're going to see in this story how this woman going through so much, and yet she's able to say, I am now safe and sound. Because Jesus touched my life. And so our preaching passage here, as I said, is about the story of a woman. Well, Jesus is en route to minister to a young girl who is essentially on her deathbed. So let's go to verse 25. And as we look at these verses, think at this point in the back of your mind, we all carry afflictions. We all carry affliction. So verses 25 to 26 says this. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes... I'll be made well. Instantly her flow of blood ceased and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. She was healed of her affliction. Verse 34, after an interaction with the woman, he said to her, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. Here we see this woman has been dealing with this affliction, this harm and pain for 12 years. For 12 years, she's been going to, you know, the authorities in the natural to try and help her to figure out what's going on. And yet she puts all this time, this energy and these resources into addressing the issue in her life. Now, this isn't knocking physicians by any regard. It's showing that she's done and gone through due diligence with physicians to try and figure out what's the cause of this blood. What's happening? What's what's causing this hemorrhage? What's happening? And yet she's put in all this time and all this energy with nothing to show for it. Maybe like you, as I was reading this passage in preparation, I couldn't help but think, you know, there's many times that we deal with different afflictions, or afflictions, sorry, in our physical body and beyond, and it's not for a lack of trying, it's not for a lack of putting in the effort to get the answers, to figure this thing out. But sometimes, some of these things remain so that God can be shown working in and through it, to glorify God. And so here, this woman, for 12 years, the issue has persisted. Now, some, there are some teachings on this that they would say, well, perhaps it was a result of sin. Perhaps because of rebellion, maybe she was doing some things were just not so right in the eyes of God. And yet Jesus said this in John chapter 9, verse 2, when regarding a blind man that Jesus had come to heal, They said, Rabbi, who has sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents have sinned. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. Remember that. This happens so that God's works might be displayed in him. And so this woman, for 12 years, why is she dealing with it? Because Jesus is going to have an interaction with her, and he's going to open the eyes of so many people to believe in the one true God. Now when Jesus was on the scene to the young man Lazarus when he had died... He says this in John eleven four. This sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it all. And so as you hear these words, as you hear these scriptures, it should stir faith in us this afternoon. That we go about things we, with all diligence. We go to our physicians. We go to the experts. We go to the people that can help us in the natural. But sometimes... Outside of those giftings and those enablements, God has allowed or is working in that issue in our life so that he can be glorified. And so back to our story, this woman, she's carrying, if you will, a hardship. She's carrying a heavy affliction, and she's unable to move it on her own. She's unable to move it on her own. So I want you to imagine it's a big mountain. She's staring at a mountain in her life. And she believes that this mountain, however, can be moved. So just park there for a moment. I heard this story the other day. I can't remember where exactly I found it. I wrote it in my notes. And I want to give credit where credit is due, but I can't recall who shared this story first. Okay, but I didn't, I didn't uh, find the story originally. But anyway, there's this story of this elk in Colorado. One day, this young elk was walking around and somehow got its head inside of a massive truck tire. So this is a young elk. I don't know what you'd call the young elk, but this tire has become a necklace of sorts. And as this elk grew and his antlers grew much larger, as you can imagine, it caused that tire to be stuck even greater. It compounded the issue, it compounded the problem, even much more so that there was nothing that this elk could do and it was starting to weigh it down. Its energy was zapped. And we know this because wildlife authorities had caught wind of this and were, you know, studying this elk. How can we help this poor animal that's got itself into a tough situation? And to make a long story short, these wildlife authorities, they track down the elk, they put it to sleep so they can remove this tire necklace. And after they remove it, you, they say that this elk, it's almost as if it bounced back to life and would prance if it could prance. But elk, if you've ever seen a big elk, they don't prance. But it was as if in its spirit, it was like, my chains are gone, I've been set free. In many regards, this elk. And as I read that story, I thought, that's exactly what Jesus does for us. Sometimes we experience these burdens, these afflictions for a time, but Jesus is able to lift those burdens. He's able to come and remove those things that have been weighing so heavy upon us. And so the encouragement of this, as we think of that story in correlation to our story, that the Lord is aware of our afflictions, and he's most assuredly able to remove them. He's aware, and he's able to remove them, but he also knows how and when to remove them. There's timings, and if we can you know, wrap our minds around coming in with a resolve of faith that his timing is perfect in all things, as the word says, his, his way is perfect, his word is true, that we can trust in his perfect timing. And so when we can get behind this, when we can realize that as we humble ourselves under under his mighty hand, that he will exalt us in due time. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 6 says this, I'm sure you know it well. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so we know the enemy of our souls wants to sneak in and say, ah, you see, there is no God. You're dealing with that affliction. You're dealing with that burden. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't love you. He's removed himself from the equation. You might as well give up. You might as well pack it in. But here Jesus says in Matthew 11:28, "Come to me, all who are weary, burdened, and I will give you rest. Whatever's weighing around you, whatever's weighing upon you, come to me, call upon me, and I will give you rest." And so a reminder here, point number two is faith in Jesus moves mountains. This woman saw this mountain in her life, this mountain of affliction. She couldn't scale over it. She couldn't push through it. She needed a miracle. And so she realized, she heard about Christ and said, all I have to do is get to Christ. In fact, all I have to do is be in his presence and touch him. Look at Verse 29 instantly her flow of blood ceased and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. You have to love that things can happen instantaneously. I can't begin to tell you how many times I've you know, been with people praying and we're praying about things specifically and it's right to ask, hey brother, sister, are you, are you feeling anything in your body as we're praying for you? And sometimes you hear people say, well it feels like a fire is moving inside of my body. There's all these different comments and things are happening. And similar to this woman in the story, she sensed, she sensed in her body that wholeness was coming upon her. She sensed it right away. And that through Jesus, what happened? She was marked safe and sound. Look at verse 34 again. Fire for effect, if you will. He says, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Be healed from your affliction. One of the greatest things, and I said this last week, was that the devil convinced the world that he doesn't exist. And many times in the church it creeps in saying that, you know, your faith's a little bit excessive today, Jim. You're kind of out on the rock. How can you have so much faith? Jim, how could you have so much faith to believe that God can heal today? And I believe in this story, in this situation, it would reach us forward in today and to our present to say, faith in God is never excessive. Faith in the supernatural of God, moving in a way that transcends physical nature, is never excessive. I personally would rather be in the place of having too much faith than too little. And yet Jesus says, if you have faith that's as small as a mustard seed, you can speak to that mountain, be moved from here to there." Look at what Jesus said in Mark 11:22. Jesus said, "Have faith in God. I tell you, if you say to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and if you do not doubt in your heart, but believe what you say will happen, it will be done for you. Verse 24, therefore I tell you, everything you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. It's so it's not about, amen, sister, it's not about packaging it into a certain time frame. It's not about putting things or checking the boxes of this is when the breakthrough is going to occur, but rather believing like the woman in the crowd, if I can just get to Jesus, my breakthrough is on its way. I'm going to bust through this mountain by faith in Jesus. In many respects, as I like to view it because I'm a visual person, Isaiah, is as if Jesus had dynamite and he was blowing that mountain apart just obliterated the mountain of affliction and burden in her life. Because he cared for her. So point number three, as we begin to transition, is this. Knock persistently. Knock persistently. Philippians 4, verse 6 says this, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. What are your requests this afternoon? What are those things that you are waiting for, that breakthrough in your life? What are those petitions? And as you think of what those petitions are, those, those things that you've been giving to God and just waiting for a touch from the Lord, as you exercise faith, think of these words in Luke eleven five. 5. Jesus said this, "'Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, "'Friend, loave me three loaves of bread, "'because a friend of mine is on a journey, has come to me, "'and I don't have anything to offer him. "'Then he'll answer from inside and say, "'Don't bother me. "'The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. "'I cannot get up to give you anything.' I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Verse 9, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Knock persistently. Knock persistently with whatever, whatever that affliction is. We all carry the afflictions. We all can speak to that mountain by faith in Jesus as we knock on heaven's door. Because Jesus cares for us. And here we see in this story, in this encounter, the the prerequisite, if you will, in this whole story, this whole encounter was that she had faith. If I could just get to Jesus, if I could just step through the crowd and touch his robes, I will be made well. And so I'm going to invite... two lovely people uh, to come up to join me on stage. And as they get prepared with Shirley and her daughter, Tina, they're going to come and share a testimony. And as they do that, I want to share a final point with you, and it's this, get personal with Jesus. Get personal with Jesus. We look at verses 30 through 32. And go ahead, ladies, find a seat on one of those stools. They should be safe and sound. Verses 30 to 32. Look at this. At once Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, Who touched you? But he was looking around to see who had done this. And then the woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And so Jesus responded to her, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. Jesus wasn't afraid to get personal. He was not too preoccupied in getting to Jairus' daughter who was on her deathbed because we're never too involved in something to be personal, to get down to where people are at in their time of need and to say and to speak into their issue. Jesus took the time to say, who touched me? In the midst of all these people because he wanted her to know that your faith has made you well. Go in peace from your affliction. Absolutely. If, if you're encouraged by that, why don't you just give heaven, our Heavenly Father a word of thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Tina. We thank you for being here this afternoon, and surely we appreciate you too. Thank you so much. Watch your step as you go ahead. There we go. You know, it's... It's wonderful. The Bible says that, you know, we give honor, honor is due, and also we can encourage one another uh, by the words of testimonies. And we know that testimonies are affirmed and confirmed by one or two or three or witnesses. And so that word, as we wrap things up, is that through their story, through Jesus Christ, we're marked safe. In sound, whatever you're dealing with, whatever struggles, whatever burdens, whatever hardships that you're experiencing, whatever that mountain is, that mountain is movable. It's movable, and God is gonna move that mountain in His perfect timing. But continue, what were the points? You realize we have the hardships, let's continue to be persistent in that issue, persistent through that burden in faith that God can move that mountain and bring us through safe and sound. I wanna invite the worship team to come and join us as we uh, wrap things up with a time of responsive worship. Jesus said to the woman, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. And how could that possibly be true for today? Because we believe in Jesus. We've been united with him through faith. Colossians 1.13 says this, that he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. You know, no matter what we go through, what, what issues we face, that when we rest, even when we're, whether we're awake or asleep, the Bible says that we are with, with the Lord. And just to give the worship team a few more moments, when I was going through my own time and, and even before going into surgery to deal with the cancer, and, you know, God was working through everything very proficiently and in his perfect timing. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, everything was happening so perfectly that it had the greatest degree of success for zero recurrence for the cancer to return. In Jesus' name, sometimes we don't understand why some things are taking longer than others. We have to trust and have faith that God is working all things together for our good. We may not be able to see what he's doing or even feel it, but you can rest assured that he's moving because he is the way maker. And so I want to encourage you to allow faith to stir, for faith to rise within your life, whether for yourself or family members and friends, that as the worship team leads us in worship, let us be resolved to knock on heaven's doors, not just for ourselves, but for those family members and those friends that we know need a touch from God because he still heals, he still moves today. Amen. And so I'm going to invite you, if you're able, to stand as we come into a time of worship before our King because he's active in our life. Amen. Let's sing and worship together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you bring peace at times when we can have weary souls. When we are weighed down at times with different uh, burdens, hardships, afflictions from pain, and the, whatever those things are, I thank you. Lord, that we can get personal with you, we can come and we can truly come before you and lay all things at your feet. We don't dress it up, we don't pretend that we have all things together, but Lord, we thank you through faith that you truly do work all things together for our good because you love us, that you went to the cross, that you died and rose again to mark us safe and sound and that you've put upon us the mark of your Holy Spirit, the guaranteeance of what is to come as we await for you to return, Lord God. And so I thank you that you're working in each person's life here this afternoon. I thank you, Lord, that you're reaching through to the watcher that's watching online, Lord, the, the ailments even in this house and those tuning in. Father, that you're reaching in right now by your touch. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're ministering healing, Lord. We pray for all things. We pray for the depression. We pray for the various aspects of oppression, Father. We come against cancer. We come against liver disease. We come against diabetes. We come against everything that is on this earth, in this place. God, that sets itself up against who you are, that you died. Your word says that you were beaten so that we could be made whole, that the punishment was upon you for our well-being. For by your stripes, we are healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're thankful for His healing touch, feel free to give Him a wonderful hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you're still moving in our lives. You're still working in our hearts, Lord, that you're moving. You're truly moving. You're moving mountains. And God, we submit, we come under your perfect will and timing, Lord, that you said it will be and it will be to the glory of God. And so, God, we thank you for the blessing. We thank you for the blessing over every generation that's represented here today. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.